in this video we will take the monumental task of attempting to clarify what the metaverse is and explain why it's relevant to fintech and other financial institutions. Hero protagonist, and yeah, really, that's his name, is a broke computer hacker and pizza delivery driver living in an anarchist utopia in the early 21st century. After the global economy has collapsed and the world governments have lost most of their power to a handful of gigantic technology companies, Hero, like everyone else around him, spends the bulk of his time engulfed in a digital world accessible only by a headset. This digital world is called the metaverse, and in it, people appear only as digital avatars that are able to walk down an endless road packed with amusement parks, shops, offices, and all manner of distractions. Now, you may be forgiven to think that this is the script of Mark Zuckerberg's wildest fantasy, but it's actually the plot of a dystopian and surprisingly prophetic novel from 1992 by author Neil Stevenson titled Snow Crash, the first recorded mention of the metaverse. While for decades this novel was never really on anyone's must-read list of future dystopian novels, these days it has become almost a cliché that must be referenced in any article, post or video discussing the metaverse. So in keeping with that tradition and not to disappoint, we thought we would throw it into. Now if the plot of this novel sounds eerily familiar, it's because the visions of the metaverse that we have recently heard described by tech giants like Meta, formerly known as Facebook, Microsoft, Unity, Epic Games, Nvidia, Decentraland and many others are almost lifted directly out of this novel. However, in spite of the recent buzz, at this stage most of us don't really understand what the metaverse is. So. In this video, we will take the monumental task of attempting to clarify what the metaverse is and explain why it's relevant to fintech and other financial institutions. It's pretty difficult to explain something that we cannot yet fully envision. Wired Magazine compares it to trying to understand the internet back in the 1970s. Now, it may help us understand what the metaverse is if we think of it as a label that we give to this mix of technologies, protocols, computing standards, users and experiences to describe a concept that is in its initial development stages. And just as no one refers to the mix of technologies, social media platforms, uh, games and apps as cyberspace anymore, it has become ever present in our everyday life. In a similar way that the metaverse will blur the boundaries between physical and virtual and augmented realities of life in the future. Now, a simpler way of describing the metaverse is the group of platforms like Decentraland, Axis, Upland, Fortnite, and the Sandbox, on which people can concurrently experience digital events like games, concerts, conferences, and virtual trips around the world. So now you must be thinking, what's new about that? We've had multiplayer online platform for a while, and of course there's Amazon. So why do we need a new term to describe what we've been using for years? The Nordic Fintech Magazine team had that very same question when researching all this. And here's what we found to be the three main differences between the metaverse and the cocktail of online apps that we have come to love or hate. First, Unlike the apps that you are able to access on your phone or your computer, the metaverse is persistent. This means that 
it doesn't go away when you disconnect and it doesn't serve new content every time you log back in. Instead, the metaverse is composed of virtual worlds that are always on, always changing and always evolving. You can spend a couple of hours in a metaverse roaming around, building spaces, interacting with the environment and with other users and the next time you go into it, it will all still be there mostly as you left it unless of course other users have built, destroyed or changed the spaces you were previously on. If you just had a deja vu and are now thinking, wait a minute, haven't we heard all that before? Well, you'd be right. Back in 2003, Linden Labs made waves in the press with their launch of Second Life. Second Life was essentially touted as the place where you can live an alternative life as an avatar. Early adopters and more than 2,000 companies like Sony, BMG, General Motors, IBM and many others rushed to buy islands in Second Life with the hope of being able to host parties, corporate gatherings or just to keep tabs on new developments. The second big difference is interoperability. The most idealistic version of the metaverse will be composed of an ecosystem of platforms including games, virtual hangouts, concert halls, casinos and offices that will become interoperable and that will share a common virtual world. This means that as a user you will be able to go from one metaverse to another and experience some level of continuity. Now if you are anything like me, today you probably have several profiles for all your social media and other internet based accounts. All of these have their own logins, their own passwords, their own about me sections and their own pictures. The metaverse aims to change all of that. However, this represents an enormous problem of technical specifications and standards that tech companies will have to solve if the metaverse is to become this true collaborative and interoperable space. We have linked a fantastic article in the description of this video that explains in more detail all these intricacies of the problem. Now, the third difference is portability. The idea behind the metaverse, at least as it's envisioned by its developers, enables portability of attributes of your digital persona. Your avatar, your clothes, your accessories, and even your virtual pets will be portable between different metaverse platforms. This is a more nuanced extension of interoperability that is best explained in the context of gaming. Today, if you are a Fortnite player, you can only use your avatar with all your mods within the Fortnite platform. But if you want to go and play in Minecraft, you will have to develop your own separate presence in that platform pretty much in the same way that today you need different profiles for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and Twitch. If you are not a gamer and are losing interest with every word I say, please don't tune out yet. The metaverse goes well beyond gaming into things like investment, work, shopping and entertainment. But we will get to that. Hopefully this at least paints a clearer picture of what the metaverse is and what it is not. The question now is, who is building it? Well, the metaverse is an evolution pretty much in the same way that the internet evolved to what it is today. It requires several technologies, protocols and standards to converge and to work together to enable these common experiences amongst its users. An article published in XR Today lists the following components that need to be figured out in order to enable the metaverse. So first of all, we have infrastructure, which is the layer that enables connectivity to the metaverse. This refers to connectivity technologies like 5G, Wi-Fi, cloud computing, and graphing processing units. 
Secondly, we have human interface, which are things like virtual and augmented reality, headsets and haptics, and other sensorial technologies that will provide users a truly immersive experience. Then we have decentralization, which is basically blockchain, AI, edge computing, data, and other tools for democratization. We have spatial computing, which is the group of technologies that can construct the visual environments for the metaverse, things like 3D visualization and modeling frameworks. And then we need an economic model for content creation, which refers to the digital tools, digital assets, digital outlets for buying and selling assets, and the financial infrastructure necessary to enable transactions. On top of that, we also need discovery, which is the algorithms that enable navigation through content and the drive engagement, which may include ads, social media ratings and reviews. And finally, experiences, which will become the equivalent of digital apps running on the metaverse. These include things like games, events, conferences, tours, shopping, exhibitions and whatever else content creators can come up with. Now think back to the early 2000s. To access the internet, you required a computer or a powerful enough laptop with a modem. Many of you may remember how cumbersome it was trying to find an ethernet port to connect uh, your brick-like laptop to. And who can forget this trauma-inducing noise? Twenty years later, accessibility to the internet has become incredibly convenient thanks to the use of smartphones and wearables. The metaverse will face a similar problem. Sure, you can access platforms on the metaverse through your phone or through your computer screen. After all, virtual platforms like Upland, Fortnite, Roblox and Decentraland don't really have a virtual reality equivalent. However, to enjoy the full immersiveness of these virtual worlds, it helps to have one of these. These type of headsets have made huge progress over the past five years. Previously, if you wanted to enjoy a proper virtual reality experience, you needed to have this headset connected to a powerful computer or a game console that was able to process all the 3D imaging required for immersive world experiences. Oculus, which was bought by Facebook back in 2014, got rid of the cables in this latest headset and made the experience much more accessible for everyone. However, if you've ever worn one of these, you'll know that after using it for more than an hour or so, it starts getting heavy, tiresome for your eyes and neck, and leaves you with terrible hair. I believe a second problem that technology companies will need to solve is how to make access to the virtual or augmented versions of the metaverse much more convenient and dignified so that people don't have to go out in public looking like huge dorks. Okay, now on to what concerns us in this channel. What does this have to do with fintech and finance? Well, a lot as it turns out. Today we're only at the very early stages of development of the metaverse. If we are to believe anything Zuckerberg says, we are between 5 and 10 years away from the metaverse going mainstream, but the money possibilities and therefore the use cases for fintech and finance are already very real in at least four ways. First of all, real estate ownership. The metaverse is for sale and a handful of companies are making a killing by selling off metaverse property through NFTs. An NFT or non-fungible token, meaning a unique token that cannot be exchanged for an, for an identical one, is a piece of data that gives its owner legitimate proof that a digital item like a tweet or a JPEG belongs to them. Through NFTs, virtual property owners can validate the authenticity of their land through blockchains and they can monetize that ownership by either building services on that 
that piece of virtual land like virtual advertising spaces or by flipping the property up for a profit as virtual land becomes more valuable. The idea of ownership of the metaverse is underpinned by the concept of Web3, whereby users of the platforms can also become stakeholders by owning platform crypto tokens. What we are talking about here is a new type of asset class. These digital assets can be bought, sold, and can hold value, and most remarkably, they are also directly convertible into fiat money like euros, dollars, or krona. It does beg the question that if people are able to invest in real estate or use their physical property as collateral for bank loans in the real world, could there be a use case for virtual mortgages or for virtual NFT portfolios as collateral for different types of financing? Take Upland, for example the metaverse platform that is mapped onto the real world and allows people to own virtual property. This may sound like a bizarre pointless waste of time, but consider that as the popularity of the game increases, so does the popularity of its virtual assets, which in turn increases their valuation in UPX or Upland cryptocurrency. Virtual property owners can buy and sell property at a profit and increase the, their net worth in UPX. Think of it as a gamified version of Bitcoin. As we have discussed in other videos, Bitcoin has value because of three main attributes. Scarcity, there's only a finite amount of Bitcoin in circulation. Proof of work, to mine Bitcoin, computers need to solve a very complex cryptographic problem and as a result get rewarded in Bitcoin. And supply and demand, which is basically the fact that the more people who want to join into the Bitcoin bandwagon, the more coveted Bitcoins become and the higher their valuation goes. Well, Upland operates on a very similar mechanics, except that it has created a visual interface that engages people by experiencing in its economy in a game. You see, land in the Upland metaverse is scarce, and there is only a limited amount of it. The more popular a city becomes, the more coveted pieces of land in that city get, and the higher profit players can make from flipping their properties. Upland is reportedly becoming an economic powerhouse, in the past 30 days, players have traded a whopping 330,000 properties for a, value, for a combined value of 6.2 billion UPX or 6.2 million US dollars alongside players earning 600,000 US dollars via NFT to USD. So not just a silly game after all. Similarly, in Decentraland, which is another metaverse for virtual property investors, have seen a meteoric rise in virtual land valuations. What started as tiny pixelated plots of land selling for $20 a piece have now reached prices of more than $6,000. That's a 30,000% increase. An article published by The Daily Huddle relates how real estate company Metaverse Group has created the fashion district in Decentraland, where users can buy designer brand digital clothes from companies like Prada, Gucci, and Ralph Lauren. Is your mind blown away yet? Secondly, creation of digital assets. If you are planning to live part of your life as, a, as, an, as an avatar in a virtual world, then you need to look the part and companies are flooding to the metaverse to ensure that you can look as good as your handsome real self. For this, companies all over the world are already offering services like avatar creation, accessories like cars, pets, clothes, and of course, furniture to enhance your virtual mansions. This is of course all possible thanks to NFTs. And advanced platforms like Sandbox and Decentraland, which we already talked about, are even allowing users to create their own NFT accessories and then sell them to other users. 
Now, depending on the attributes and rarity of these NFTs, their price can go up and down, the, uh, enabling users to make a profit. A perfect example of this is related in an article in Time magazine about a woman who started making pets in Second Life. 40-year-old Kari Tatsu spent the past 15 years making a living designing and selling pet avatars for users in Second Life, which we talked about in an, in earlier in this episode. Tatsu decided to give Second Life a go after a moment of disillusionment with her marketing career, and being a cat person, she bought a cat in Second Life. That cat didn't really meet all her expectations, and she decided that she would be able to design a better cat a hobby she was then able to turn into a full-time job and expanded into the creation of virtual babies and later onto two self-funded mobile games. Third, play to earn. A number of platforms like The Sandbox and Axie are enabling people to make money by playing games on the metaverse. The concept is pretty simple. Game really well, you are then rewarded with NFTs and the most valuable ones are given to those who play best. Players are then able to flip those NFTs in markets for fiat money. As we have discussed in previous episodes, money is just a collective narrative that we tell each other about value. So if enough people play the game and then find the digital assets something to be desired and coveted, then their value increases. How much value, you may be asking? Well, consider Christie's sale in 2021 of this NFT for an eye-watering 69 million US dollars. An article on Bloomberg mentions that online shopping will get even more complicated if brands have their way. They are already making millions of dollars selling clothing and accessories that exist only in the metaverse. It might seem silly now, but the way you look online could start to matter a lot more if much of your work and your playtime take place there. It is no coincidence that Facebook is already planning to sell virtual wardrobes to users of its metaverse. Again, these are the basic economic principles of supply and demand and scarcity at play. Unsurprisingly, transactions on the metaverse are happening with cryptocurrency, many of which are built onto the Ethereum blockchain. Now, this doesn't only mean that they are commission-free, meaning that you can transact without paying transaction fees to a third party, but they are also immediate, fully transparent as they take place on open blockchains and in many cases anonymous as the identity of the holder is not made public. Entire economies are emerging where one, where one doesn't have to convert digital currency into fiat at any point. In play-to-earn platforms, you are rewarded in cryptocurrency, you use cryptocurrency to transact, and you save and store cryptocurrency in your digital wallet. If you think about it, cryptocurrency is no different than the points that you've always accumulated on games. With the fundamental difference that, unlike traditional games, these points are exchangeable for fiat currency like euros, dollars, at fluctuated exchange rates. Many of the interoperability challenges that metaverse developers need to find solutions to also apply to finance. The fact that different platforms are being developed on different blockchains does point to a disjointed amalgamation of payment solutions where perhaps users will need to create different digital wallets and accounts to hold cryptocurrency for different platforms. For example, if you want to play Ixie, which is a Pokemon-inspired battle game, you need to download the running wallet and store and trade Ixie coins and Ixie NFTs. The running digital wallet would be useless if I didn't wanted to go and buy some virtual property with UPX in Upland. 
In the same way that companies will have to solve the issue of portability of digital assets like avatars and accessories, fintechs will need to come up with solutions for the portability of cryptocurrencies to enable seamless and frictionless transacting in the metaverse, whether you are on Spatial, Roblox, Decentraland or Fortnite. The internet forced companies to develop entirely new internet-based business models, and we will see the next evolution of the economy taking place in the metaverse, where a new wave of business model innovation will continue to find new ways of monetizing new forms of value created in the metaverse. A great example is for transport services like Uber, Hyperloop, and airlines in the metaverse as a way to navigate from one virtual environment to another. Upland already charges users 20 UPX to use various types of transportation to move within and beyond cities. Airports, train stations and hyperloops are owned by other players and they come at a significant investment but players wanting to use these as transport services must pay a fee every time that they do. There is even discussion amongst Upland and airlines about the possibility of selling domestic air routes to real airlines wanting to capitalize on users needing to move between virtual cities. Similarly, Polka City, another metaverse platform, allows users to own taxis and operate them within its cities to allow avatars to get from one place to another. Crazy, right? Now, if you are in retail, transport, media and entertainment and are not already defining what your business model for the metaverse will be, you may actually be missing out. Okay, so we've been talking about earning, saving and spending money on the metaverse. What about banks? Well, for the most part, traditional banks have so far been mostly absent from the metaverse. As we all know, banks are just about starting to get their grip on digitalization, but innovation and disruption waits for no one. Only a couple of years ago, major banks around the world were trying to find ways to discourage and even ban customers and employees from owning and transacting with cryptocurrency. Well, in the meantime, these new alternative parallel virtual environments were going full speed ahead, creating their alternative financial and monetary systems, transcending the boundaries between the physical and the digital worlds. My opinion is that the metaverse does seem light years outside of the purview, culture and capabilities of traditional banking. And for them to remain relevant in this brave new world of avatars and digital property, they will need to be able to transform themselves once again or risk losing out to the many fintechs that are enabling the new infrastructure and value exchanging technologies. Today more than ever, collaborating with fintechs to have a presence in virtual environments may be the only alternative for incumbents to pop up in the metaverse. Now, a handful of visionary pioneers are dipping their toes in these uncharted waters. Most notably, Korean banks, HANA and Cookmean Bank have launched branches on the metaverse that allow users to move around their own virtual financial towns, which aim to provide convivial spaces for remote workers to communicate. According to an article in the Korean Times from August 2021, other banks are already constructing environments for clients to engage with the bank. The digital bank Mercobank is also interested in NFTs and the future of banking in the metaverse. And according to an article in Yahoo Finance, the company is already putting strategies in place to develop virtual environments to enable its customers to access banking services 
on the metaverse. Now, whether the metaverse will turn out to be more hype than substance and whether it is able to deliver on the vision of those companies investing in their development is something we still cannot answer. As always, the supply side of things is often incomplete without the necessary broad adoption for these services. The millions of people and thousands of companies racing to own part of the action is at least indicative of a trend towards fast money and investment fads. However, with seemingly never-ending lockdowns in different parts of the world justified by the pandemic and the even greater perceived threat to humanity's safety coded in climate change, we should wonder if the metaverse will be the place where we will be able to roam freely while confined to our own homes. But that is, however, a question for another episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can be notified of more content like this by subscribing to our YouTube channel by pressing the little bell icon on the top. Let us know if you found this video useful and as always, you can find more thought-provoking content on our website at nordifintechmagazine.com. See you soon.